Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one significant page of Talmud every day. I'm not going to introduce the topic of today's page. If I'm out 43, I'm just going to read you a little quote. Here it is. Rabbi Yossi says that all women who are only betrothed to their previous husbands and then divorced may marry within three months, except for a widow. Due to the mourning period, she must observe for her deceased husband. And how long is her mourning period? It is 30 days. Now I'm reading this page and I'm reading the rabbis tell us that, oh, you know, a widow should only mourn her uh, deceased husband for 30 days. And it brings me right back to a book I just read. It is called In Love, A Memoir of Love and Loss by Amy Bloom. And it's one of these, these very few books. Honestly, I don't even know that I can remember another one uh, that made me change my mind significantly about a topic that I thought I held very strong beliefs on. The topic is euthanasia, which is something that as an observant Jew, I have a very difficult time with. I thought I had some sympathy uh, for people who may choose to end their own lives in extreme circumstances of, of illness. But I still kind of felt this was not something that I could ever bring myself to to think about in, in anything but the strongest negation. And then came this book, In Love, and I have the distinct pleasure of having with us the author, Amy Bloom. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. And I appreciate what you said. I think it's hard for people sometimes to think about these things. And so I appreciate all the people who are thoughtful about it, regardless of where they come out in their decision-making process. Now, you could hear in my voice that I'm a bit rambly and a bit ineloquent. It is mostly because the book touched me in such a profound way. So rather than me trying to summarize it and, and tell the story, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do it. The book, I think, is both a love story and also an examination of our marriage and the diagnosis of Alzheimer's that Brian received in his early 60s and his decision, having seen Alzheimer's close up, that he was not going to be here for the long goodbye that he preferred, as he said, to die on his feet, not live on his knees. And he also being, as I'm sorry, as, as the book uh, describes so well, a, a sort of large, larger-than-life man with, with great big passions and appetites who decided, you know, this is not life. That he did feel that it was not life. And as I said, he had also seen it close up. So this was not just the subject of his imaginings or a few YouTube videos. And he was so clear and unwavering in his decision, and he asked for my support. And after a certain amount of marital back and forth, I said, I support you. We will, we will go through this together. And that is what we did. But we were not able to do it in the United States because although we all have thoughts about the right to die states, of which I believe there are 10 plus the District of Columbia, they are not, in fact, right to die states in any broad sense. And they are certainly of no help to anybody with dementia. Now, when this, uh, I'm I'm asking an unfair question because you you answer it uh, at such length and and in such you know a, a masterful way in the book. But when the conversation comes and Brian asks you this question or, or presents you with this situation, what goes through your mind, your heart? How does one even begin? How does a human being even begin to to sort of think or feel their way into this situation? I think, like every other difficult situation, especially one that's interpersonal, you have to 
be able to listen to yourself and to your own heart. And you have to be able to really hear the other person. And, you know, sometimes in marriage, I think in a good marriage, you put the other person first and then respond to that rather than your own wishes or preferences first and then take into account the other person. And this was Brian's life and his vision of his death. And these were issues he had thought long and hard about for many years. He was a big advocate for sort of human rights, civil rights, self-determination, agency and autonomy, where that did not conflict with being a good citizen or a good person. And he knew how he felt about this subject. It was not hard for him to make that decision. It was painful, but he was not floundering. In the page of Talmud we, we read today, the rabbi said something that, you know, struck me as, you know, pretty difficult, basically saying, well, you know, you have 30 days, uh, you 30 days to mourn, and then the grieving period should be over and you should be able to go on with remarriage or whatever it is that you wish to do with your life. As someone who has had, I assume, I don't even know if that's true, to sort of begin the grieving process while Brian was still alive. First of all, was that the case? Well, I think whenever you are the caregiver for somebody with a serious illness, especially if it's a terminal illness, you know, the grief process certainly begins before the person dies. You know, you are anticipating the grief and the loss. You are experiencing patches and moments and previews of the loss. And then there is that final loss. And, you know, I mean, in some ways... I feel like the rabbis are not entirely wrong, which is that I guess the formal mourning period is whatever it is, whether it's 30 days or however long somebody chooses it to be, but there is also the world to be engaged with. So for me, you don't have to put down the grief after 30 days. I'm not sure you ever put down the grief, but it also doesn't keep you from being in the world, from seeing the flowers, from making a meal, eating a meal with your friends, playing with the grandchildren. I mean, there are a million things in this big, beautiful world. And I think one can be in the world and still carry one's grief. The way that you chose to be in the world, writing this book, which is so profound and so honest and so open-hearted and so heartbreaking uh, is something for which I, and I know that all of our listeners who would go out and immediately buy and read this book would be deeply grateful for. Amy Bloom, thank you so much for being our guest. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been Take One, if you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. 
For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic and we will see you again soon.